knew it. Got my bag. Yeah. Lucky strap. Want me to carry it? Need to find a gap here. How, how did you know we were here? The phone, that stupid jingle from the store, I heard it. My phone? Yeah, your satellite phone. Where is it? I don't have it. Well, when did you use it last? Uh, 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 on the plane. I got a call on the plane and... What? What? I loaned it to Nash. He must have had it when he... Hello and welcome to Ramblin' and Amblin' Podcast, the podcast where we invite you to visit the site of Amblin' Entertainment, and we promise never to invite you under false pretenses <laughs> should you have any dino-related trauma. <laughs> I'm one half of your host, Andy Godian. And the other half, Joshua Glenn. And today we're very happy to be joined by our returning guest. Please welcome back David from Jurassic Collectibles. Hello. Welcome back, David. Hello, you couldn't get rid of me. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> One of our very, very first ever guests, in fact. Indeed. Oh, what an honour. It really was an honour. With E.T. Indeed. Well, you keen rambling fans may remember David from our E.T. episode back in 1982 in rambling years. <laughs> 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 Nearly three years in real life. I can't believe that's happened. And uh, <laughs> 20 years of movie time to get to this our next episode, which is, of course, Jurassic Park 3. But before we get into that, David, um, we've introduced a couple of customary questions uh, mm-hmm. for our guests uh, up top in the episode. Uh, we all already know your answer to one of them, seeing as you did join our episode for E.T., and much of our discussion was about whether it makes people cry. <laughs> 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 uh, but we never got to ask you the other one, and that is, David, what does Amblin mean to you? Oh gosh, that's, that's a good question. I guess it's a, a feeling of of a certain type of film. Uh, it's a very sentimental feeling, I think. Um, but it's also strangely familiar the first time you watch it. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that sums up Amblin very well. It feels yeah. like you've somehow watched this in a previous life, and therefore <laughs> it rings true right away. Um, but it's then for the back. rest of your life, you just end up returning to it because it's such a sweet spot of cinema. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd say that's pretty true of most Amblin films. Yeah, that's a very nice way of putting it. A lot yeah, of people do dance very around sweet. very similar points, but no one's quite put it like that before. I like that oh. a lot. Oh, <laughs> I'd like to hear, well, what do you guys, have you guys ever said what you, what you think it uh, means to you? Or 
did it yeah, way I back in we, our very first ever way episode? Way back, like, yeah. Mm. Um, we we kind of I can't remember. Similar <laughs> echo. We kind of like um, likened it to kind of artifacts that feel like they're mm. kind of hand down to you, mm. and that you do just have this sense of uh, a nostalgia that may not necessarily be to the time that you grew up grew up with. Um, like even the ones that you kind of come to in later in life um, feel like you say kind of a part and a piece of something in your like in even in your history or wider film history and they just feel like there's a mm. there's a warm fuzzy welcome feeling with uh particularly the ones that really typify mm. the brand um of which uh you kind of you joined us for the movie that's really c- cemented that brand mm-hmm. um Quite literally with the logo, but <laughs> there's a tactility to them as well, and our relationships to them. And I, I, I forget mm. which episode; it probably was the Gremlins one. A couple of episodes after our first chat, David. But um, my relationship to Gremlins was that when we, me and my family used to go walking in the woods of a, of a, of a Sunday sometimes, <laughs> and we got chatting to an old lady who used to walk it, walk her dog in the woods around the same time, and she lived a few streets down from us. And one day she she left on our doorstep a bin bag full of old VHS tapes for oh, us wow. to watch. Uh, included in that uh, was Gremlins, the first Gremlins film. So that that image sums up to me Amblin. It is that handing handing down. I really love it. Wasn't these it like a box or anything? Just like bin bag on the doorstep. <laughs> <That's brilliant. laughs> I love that. What a kind gesture. Yeah. Do you think she was getting rid of them? Or do you think she was like, these are really good. They must have these. We we, we gave them back to her. We didn't get to keep... I was hoping we'd get Ah, to keep them. We we had to give them back. It was a temporary basis. Yeah. Right. That that, that image really sums up (laughs) our relationships to to these films. (laughs) Amblin. It's a big bag of movies. (laughs) 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 Have you ever found the the VHS, specific VHSs that you that you had have you have you re-found them or because there um, is something really i've got what was it inner space the other day yeah and, nice. but it was an I've old vhs a... copy and i was just like wow this is a really retro looking box as well as just the yeah the the, the film artwork which was really cool mm. it's it... it's been in the last year because uh josh got me a vhs player for my 30th birthday oh, <laughs> And so I'm um, with it uh, a copy of Commando and Romance of the Stone on VHS. <laughs> oh, I, awesome! As as a result, I have like slowly uh, each time I've gone back home, I've bought a couple more VHSs uh, in back in my suitcase with me of films that like I grew up with on VHS, and uh, including a couple of Amblin joints, namely Jurassic Park and Small Soldiers. Oh, <laughs> so, yes, more will be coming back on the next trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Because you can get like big box copies and yeah. there's like the old rental copies and there's something yeah. cool about having a rental copy of, yes. a, of, a, of a VHS because it's like yeah. you never could own, well you could, but you could never keep one forever yeah. unless you wanted to get some bill. Yeah. So yes, uh, that's pretty cool. That's a I very, mean... very kind gift. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Uh. It was a decent one as well. I should have kept that. I don't like it that much. I was a fool to hand it over. We're going to be your next birthday. <laughs> and and I guess uh, Josh, do you want to just like double check on the on the second yeah, question just, just, just in to, case <laughs> to, just to, to make to it check official? Back in um, so obviously we had you for ET, and we spoke at length about our, um, our, our 
optically wet responses to it. (laughs) But you've said, uh, before we started recording, you mentioned that you watched it with your children. So I asked you, do you still cry? And second of all, do your children Mm. cry? (laughs) (laughs) No, children don't cry. Uh, I don't think, anyway. I still do. I'm sort of there (laughs) stifling the tears in the background, like, I'm definitely not, I'm not crying. Um, But yeah, no, I I definitely cry. Uh, I still do. Because I get really swept up in the emotion Mm. of the film. And I think actually, once you have kids, it kind of has a, it resonates even more. Because it's like, wow, they're going through this sort of stuff right now. Not a divorce, but they're going through <laughs> they're going through you know hard times or you know things that are, that are challenging because because the world is you're still forming the world around you. So mm. yeah, I think it has even more meaning now that I've kind of been through childhood and now I'm seeing it through their eyes. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and also it's still so poignant. I think mm. the emotional value of this thing coming from this other world that brings them all together and kind of gives them purpose and makes this kind of summertime really special and memorable it's it's just such a great film it's it's because i've read i've been reading the making of et book i think it's the visual history book Mm -hmm. as well Mm. and the development of that thing was that originally it was going to be you probably know this already but it was going to be like um a horror almost a horror film with aliens a group of aliens malicious aliens coming to earth (laughs) and then like there was one that decides not to, to kind of like cooperate with these evil aliens and and ends up being the benevolent one and that's the one that Spielberg said oh well I want I want to make a film about <laughs> just this guy. Let's focus um, on Buddy. I believe yeah. Buddy was his name. <laughs> was it Buddy? It was Buddy. Yeah, Buddy. Wasn't... Yeah. That's a good memory, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, very good. I, I, I that was like so when we were recording those episodes that was like still quite deep in. Uh, lockdown period so i mm. spent a lot of time reading right. <laughs> right. we could get lost research. in the weeds couldn't we yeah. i mean we still do do our research but we yeah we just we can't we can't ever quite go as deep as we used to go back in those early days because yeah. we just had all the time in the world and no world to venture out into yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah you had all that time on your hands during lockdown <laughs> but now yeah so yeah, I mean, that's, that's just the fact that he, he focused on this benevolent. I mean, it's quite risky, isn't it? To kind of and for the studio to go, yeah, we'll do that. Like, mm-hmm. it's I'm, I'm I'm surprised they were able to to meet and do that. Um, but yeah, it's just yeah, amazing. So yeah, I do I do still cry, but my children mm-hmm. don't. Good. So maybe they will when they're my in, age. In time. Yeah. In time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've sort of planted the seed of them remembering the film from <laughs> yeah. a young age. So I've done so my bit. That this, yeah. yeah. The nostalgia will hit hard yeah, eventually. Set up the yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Here comes the nostalgia pangs later mm-hmm. on. Um so. but uh, we have indeed, of course, invited you back to talk about what is Something that very much crosses over with uh, your 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 YouTube channel, of course, Jurassic Collectibles. Uh, and we did promise last time that we would bring you back for Jurassic Down the Line. And we're finally here with our episode on Jurassic Park 3. Directed by Joe Johnston, with a script written by, or at least credited to, <laughs> <laughs> Peter Butchford, Alexander Payne, and Jim Taylor. Before we really uh, dig into the dirt of JP3, Joshua Glenn, for the listeners who may not quite recall... What's Jurassic Park 3 all about? Something has survived. Again? (laughs) Many years have passed since the Jurassic Park debacle of 94 and the incident in San Diego, which he was not a part of, 
And Alan Grant, played by Sam Neill, is struggling to sustain interest in, let alone secure funding for, his Velociraptor research. At night, he talked with former colleague Ellie Sattler, played by Laura Dern, about how his work, about his work rather, and in the day he plays with the 3D model of a raptor larynx that his stupid friend Billy, played by <laughs> Alessandro Nivola, uh, made, but in an academic setting, all anybody wants to talk about are his past brushes with death. Until, that is, he and Billy are approached by wealthy jerks Paul and Amanda Kirby, played by <laughs> William H. Macy and Tia Leone, respectively, who request that Alan accompany them on an illegal aerial tour of Isla Sauna as their anniversary gift to one another. Alan's initial stance, that no force on Earth or Hell would get him back on the island, is tested when the couple offer to fund his research, and before we know it, he's on a private jet alongside the Kirby's associate, Sudeski, played by Michael Jeter, Cooper, played by John Deal, and Nash, played by Bruce A. Young. It quickly becomes apparent, however, that this is no mere aerial tour and the Kirbys do intend to land. Alan protests and is knocked unconscious for his troubles, coming to with the plane on the ground and the group making a lot of noise. Inevitably, they catch the attention of one of the local carnivores, who promptly eats Cooper and chases the rest into the jungle. It turns out, you see, that Paul and Amanda aren't really wealthy jerks after all, merely moderately well-off jerks who are divorced <laughs> and have come to the island to look for their son, Eric, played by Trevor Morgan, who recently went missing while paragliding off the coast of Isasauna with Amanda's new, and now dead, beau, Bill Ben Hiddlebrand, played by Mark Harrelick. She doesn't seem to care too much that he's no longer alive. No, she really doesn't. <laughs> Alas, with the plane destroyed and Paul's satellite phone eaten by their attacker, any hope of rescue seems as remote as Alan's chances at funding. All the survivors can do, then, is head for the coast and hope for some miracle, and, if possible, bump into Eric along the way. But who's that spiny-looking so-and-so who keeps somehow sneaking up on them? Why are the raptors pursuing them, and why is Billy being so weird about his dumb little camera bag? Could the two <laughs> things be connected? Just what exactly is this a birdcage for, exactly? And, most importantly... How did Eric manage to get a bottle's worth of T-Rexp? <laughs> you don't want to know. I do, Billy. Billy, brother, Eric. I do, Eric. <laughs> Cracker work is always Joshua Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Very now, good. David, of course, with a YouTube channel called Jurassic Collectibles, um, it must be fair to say that uh, Jurassic Park means a great deal to you. So uh, what, what can you uh, recall about your first... Uh, encounters with both this franchise and this particular installment as well. Um, so the original Jurassic Park, or do you want me to talk just about Jurassic Park three? Sorry, no, I uh, both. go from the beginning. Go from, so from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. so the, the original had a huge effect on me as a child. I think most children around the time, if you were alive then, it was just uh, a huge movie. You know, uh, really well marketed and advertised, and it was everywhere. You couldn't escape it. Um, I think the first time I was exposed to Jurassic Park was GMTV here in the UK, which is like a morning TV show, and they showed a clip of the film, and I remember running out to the kitchen to see my parents, and I said, I've just seen, you know, the closest thing to a I've seen, seen God! <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, at that time, when you think yep. about the visuals of, of CGI, that was that was the moment that was a watershed moment first time we'd seen like animate apart from maybe terminator 2 which was you know really obviously otherworldly 
seeing something that was manifested from our world and, and made in CGI, seeing that for the first time was mind-blowing. I think it was the, the Gallimimuses in the field running. Um, but yeah, that had a huge effect on me. I love Jurassic Park and it's changed me ever since. I just, yeah, I'm mad about Jurassic Park and I collect stuff from it and and that's led on to my later life collecting stuff from the film, like production material and props and all sorts. So I've had a lovely time. But for Jurassic Park 3, the first time I was exposed to that was when I saw the logo. So there was a website called dansjp3page.com. And um, it was a place for all the Jurassic Park nerds to hang out back in the day, uh, sort of 1999, 2000, and everyone speculating about what the next movie was going to be. And the first thing we saw, I think, was the logo. Mm -hmm. And... I instantly called it out. I was like, that is a Spinosaurus. <laughs> I, know, I know what that is in the logo. But my heart sank a little bit because I, you know, I was a bit older than when I'd seen Jurassic Park. And I was thinking, this means they're probably going to replace the T-Rex, which used to be in the logo, with some other bigger dinosaur. It might not be the Spinosaurus, but that's what it looks like. And I, so I was a little bit concerned about that instantly i didn't mind the metallic red logo i thought that was kind of cool uh and then i think the next time i was exposed to it was the trailer the teaser trailer and i don't know if you remember but it was just like um it was an opening shot of like the island wreathed in clouds with lightning kind of like lighting it from behind and then and then you went into this first person view of someone going through a jungle and then it kind of got somewhere in the jungle and you thought, oh, we're going to see a dinosaur. And then it just cut to black and then cut to the logo. <laughs> and that was it. It showed you absolutely <laughs> nothing. And um, But I was still amazed by this teaser trailer. This is the best thing ever. It's the logo that I already knew about. Um, but um, yeah, so I just, I clearly remember those sort of like watershed moments for Jurassic Park 3. I also remember going to see the film with my best friend, really clearly, actually. I watched it and came out of the film and I was like, that was good. That, that was all right. That was okay. Thinking the ending was very swift. And then um, my friend was like, yeah, it's all right. Not as good as the old ones, you know, not as the other two like that. And I remember thinking, oh. And it kind of made me reflect on the film and think, oh, was it as good? And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, but actually, it was around the time of the advent of DVD as well, which was you know a right, whole yeah. new thing and extras. And so I remember I imported the trilogy from the US. So so I had a, a copy of JP three before it even come out, I think. And just to watch that on DVD in that clarity, and it to be a Jurassic Park chapter was exciting enough. It was like, this yeah. is amazing. It could have been anything. It could have been a TV <laughs> movie, Jurassic Park on DVD, and I still would have been happy. But yeah, those are my, those are my kind of key memories of, of Jurassic Park 3 and the kind of hype surrounding it. But mm. yeah, I think it was mainly the ending that I felt was a bit forced quick and and like the, the third act was, was kind of absent in a way. Yeah, but yeah, I can talk more about that later on. But that, oh yeah, that, we'll, that, those we'll are my get first into that. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite fun, though, like burgeoning internet yeah. culture to be a oh, part yeah. of that to for be a thing like this. Yeah. yeah, it was great. I mean, it was a great time to be a Jurassic Park fan. You had, uh, I think, you had Jurassic Park Legacy, which was another website, and mm. you had Dan's JP3 page. Those were the the big ones, and it was like you know just a forum just like a you know where you just leave a message one under each other dated and there'd be topics about you know whatever jurassic park 
um, various themes. And actually, Jurassic Collectibles started there because I, when I was doing the videos for the very first bits on the channel, I think like the Red T-Rex, Alan Grant toy, and etc., etc., I would make a little post on Dan's JP3 page and leave a text about what I remember about each object. And then that would lead the fans over to the YouTube channel because at that point YouTube was relatively young. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, I need to get people to go over there. So I'll just make a post on Dan's JP3 page. Um, but yeah, you got, I think it still exists. You know, you could look up Dan's JP3 page. I think it still exists on the web. Um, but it's, it's like a post probably made every year nowadays. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of Jurassic Park fans. Yeah, it's there still. That. Yeah, it's yeah. still there. <laughs> it's no longer updated, but you may be interested in a message board or fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a downloads page, but you might actually be able to download that tiny original teaser trailer for the wow. Yeah, there you go. That's the flash of the Let's fan. get that MP4, guys. <laughs> <laughs> My first experience with that kind of, uh, you know, um, developing online fandom was was the next year for Austin Powers in Goldmember. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. I was deep in the Austin Powers. I used to have, like, a DK encyclopedia of Austin Powers lore, as if wow. that was a thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to download wallpapers and uh, MP4 trailers. <laughs> to be fair, those movies were hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's classic. <laughs> Again, another one like wrapped up in the in the in the bum and nostalgia. Yeah, for worse. In the bum. What on earth you You're you're going for an Austin Powers style visual joke <laughs> in an audio medium. <laughs> uh, uh, did you see JP three in the cinema, Josh? I don't think I did. This was back so from about ninety eight until about two thousand and one. There was a big. Um, subculture of pirate videos which is mm. something i have to i have to emphasize boy. i am no kid him he's naughty, a pirate naughty <laughs> mom and dad thank you very much <laughs> i was about seven <laughs> it wasn't my fault sir keep on moving officer no very much something I, I no longer partake in i'm a legitimate streaming subscriber these days i'm a physical media owner i hasten to add but yeah, this like this and Inspector Gadget were two mainstays in in pirate video rotation <laughs> at the turn right. of the millennium. And I remember I, I, we used to have we we I think we had a guy who got them for us. But also we all used to just share the same VHS. So right, my yeah. friend, uh, the naughty boy at school, Dominic, he was the first to get it. And you know how kids would come to school having seen a film and they describe like beat for beat what happened. Yeah. And then there's a bit that the plane's about to go off and the guy runs out and he's crying and he says, Where for me, where for me? And then the Stegosaurus, a Spinosaurus comes out and like eats him and blood goes everywhere and playing goes it hits trees and that and oh and so there's a lot of that. So watching it it, had, it already had this, <laughs> this like inbuilt mythology. Uh, but I think I liked it fine. But I, I wasn't really developed enough to distinguish good from bad in those days. So it was just, it was more Jurassic Park and I was happy, I yes. think. Yeah. 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 But I don't yeah. think I saw it in the cinema. Did you? No, it's not one that made it to the old new cinema for what reasons I don't That's fully understand. Though, yeah. It feels like it, yeah, you know, fa family friendly fare. You could get there. a lot of showtimes in as well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I could. I can distinctly remember it not coming because I remember being really annoyed that it didn't come. Yeah. Um, and because I was very much someone who was on the Jurassic train at that young age as well. 
and like uh particularly like reading like if i saw a magazine with Jurassic Park anything on it I was immediately like mom mom can I have it can I have it <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I remember renting it uh, pretty much at like um, I was very much a kid who got very <laughs> who became <laughs> who made sure to be firm friends with the guy who owned the video rental shop right. so that like Smart. I yeah. would ask him like and again this is like bear in mind and <laughs> at this point I am eight years old I'm going to Stuart it's like Stuart can I see your release schedule please (laughs) (laughs) it's like yes Andrew okay here it is it's like so you're getting JP free in this weekend yeah can I can you not put it on the shelf and and let me have it first and he he was very he was very kind and would uh uh, would adhere to that and like (laughs) and let me like that first like Saturday me and dad would go into town uh, like most Saturdays, we would like it would either be my sister's turn to rent a movie mm. or my turn to rent a movie, and sometimes there were movies that we were both just like into seeing. And JP Free was one of those. Mm. And then went went back at lunchtime. Um, I remember distinctly having some McCain microwave chips and watching Jurassic Park Three. <laughs> 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 Living the dream. <laughs> that was healthy on days of McCain microwave chips <laughs> for lunch. <laughs> I think mum must have been working. I don't quite know why we were getting away with having microwave <laughs> chips for lunch. <laughs> and I, again, yeah, it was very much that, like I, I just enjoyed it because it was a new Jurassic with lots yeah. of lots of new dinosaurs in it and lots of dinosaur action. Mm. Um, uh, what about um, Joe Johnston movies, David? Is mm. he a filmmaker that you're you've got a particular affinity to or particular? Yeah, familiar it's with? funny actually because uh, since uh, since I was little, I, I kind of I've been enjoying his films and not really knowing mm. who he was. I guess Jurassic Park three kind of opened my eyes a little bit, but actually he goes all the way back to Star Wars and mm. Empire Strikes Back, and I think he designed Boba Fett's outfit Indeed. and ship and stuff. I think he was involved in loads of that. Um, so kind of like the whole art direction of the of the used universe was was shaped by Joe Johnston. And then mm-hmm. he did, what was it, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was his directorial debut. Oh, yeah, which indeed. Is an amazing film. And we watch that a lot now. Like, we, we, we put Good that on is. quite a lot. <laughs> we watched it last week. <laughs> did you? Yeah. yeah. It's such a great film. Um, it's it's so just, good. for like, from the start, like, the titles are great. Like, then it goes <laughs> straight into them, you know, the family life that you kind of, those those sort of 80s movies where they set up a, you know, a suburban family and, and you just, you you just instantly buy it. You love these stories, mm. and then Jumanji is is just like you know, it's a really good Joe Johnson movie. I think mm. I prefer his older movies to his newer ones. If I'm honest, mm. I think yeah, like The Rocketeer so. and Jumanji and Honey and Shrunk the Kids are probably the ones I prefer. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the new Captain America chapter. The first one he did. I didn't. I wasn't massively into, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Jurassic Park three. I think. I think, considering what I read about the production and and, <laughs> and how they basically shot without a screenplay for a long time, <laughs> I'm pretty amazed that he made something coherent. Let alone, yeah. you know, actually make sense. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's amazing that he pulled it off. I, I think he is is. And it's something that I will like, kind of ex- expand on as we go. But he is one of those filmmakers for me that, like, yes, I uh, I really echo your point where you like 
watched a lot of his movies without knowing it was him and then kind of when you realise that like Honey I Shunt the Kids, Rocketeer mm. and yes. Jumanji are made by the same guy, you yeah. go like, Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. That, like all all of these like very and like even stuff like uh so like the smaller dramas and his smaller drama in the ninety nineties October Sky, the film he did before this, all all and even post, even if some of the films aren't so good, like uh, straight after this he does Hidalgo, which is a bit dry and and a bit boring. Maybe it's the um, the, the fourth best figure Mortensen horse film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then like the Wolfman, which he was brought in quite oh, late yeah, on in the day to kind of like salvage from being like stuck in like a its own kind of production mire. Um, whatever the kind of like overall like, even if these films aren't particularly well reviewed or what have you, I do think with pretty much any film that Joe Johnson does, what you can't deny is like the level of craftsmanship that's in them yes which which probably does come from this um back background initially in uh design and vfx um and you're a big joe johnson boy as well josh Glenn. oh yeah yeah we've, <laughs> we've been, i feel like we've been quite vocal on the podcast yeah maybe, maybe not vocal enough but like what you're saying the discovery that oh this one guy is behind all these films that were foundational to me as a film fan similar relationship as a lot of our guests and us as well i suppose have with amblin as a production company oh all these mm. all these things that mean a lot to us uh developmentally are from the same house and yeah honey ash from the kids was that and home alone i think are perhaps the two foundational films in my being <laughs> not even just yeah. as a film fan <laughs> my being as a human being um and i, I yeah i i think i i think it's a small <laughs> small subgenre but i think that <laughs> honey Ash and the kids is the best of all the shrinking movies i don't best think incredible shrinking man's pretty great mm-hmm. fantastic voyage in a space but honey Ash and the kids man that that's a very tight very uh very very also, I mean, this is a big, a bit of a tangent, but when Andy and I rewatched it last week, I, I noticed for the first time, because I guess I hadn't watched it in over a decade, but I noticed Brian Usner and Stuart Gordon's names on the opening credits as, uh, <laughs> as script writers, which is very, very funny. Oh, right. <laughs> what, but, what were um, they involved in? What other films were they involved in? They, uh, Brian like Usner was Society, and then Stuart uh, Gordon yes. was like okay. Head of the Family and so like, really and like squelchy. Yeah, like quite quite broad and yeah. uh, right. a lot of body gross. horror stuff. Body horror. Yeah, no, I guess that's a good <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it does make sense when you kind of go you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> we should write that. We should write the uh, like the the hard R. I shrunk the kids. <laughs> what did we say? We'd call it. Fuck! I shrunk the kids. <laughs> 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 but he, he's he's very good at kind of like doing these topics where kids are involved mm. and there's a huge emotional toll. Like, yeah, basically, I mean, could you think of anything more frightening as a child than being shrunk and being taken away from your family to a point where they can't hear you, like, and yeah. you're just a dot? I mean, like, mm. that's that's brilliant. And then Jumanji was the same thing. Like, he yeah. he was taken away from his. Father and that mother and, is and, and, terrifying. You know, twenty six years, twenty six years in the jungle by himself. Yeah, it's but it's a concept that a child can understand mm. and instantly go, "Oh my god!" Like, and, and but that's yeah. what sucks you in is yeah. the reality of how extreme this situation is, and yeah, the emotion involved. Yeah, yeah. I think weirdly they, but I think those two examples you mentioned, they are my two. Well, those two in the Rocketeer are my favorites of his, but I think 
they work as kids because they are they tap into childhood fears but also childhood excitements but you watch them as an yeah. adult and they they work on another level as well and like, the kids parents struggling to connect with their kids and finding a way to get back through to them again and jumanji is a film about people who have just lost their like lost their lives figuratively speaking these sad these sad people with two plus decades of wasted life behind them it's quite yeah. a dour movie jumanji yeah. it's really <laughs> weird it is yeah it's definitely a yeah it's really downbeat when you watch yeah. it yeah um but, but yeah um, it's also amazing how much of a, an upper there is at the end when everything yeah. is resolved and yeah. they tie that all up, but yeah, it is very. You don't you don't pick up on that that sort of mood when you're watching it as a child. You just get whipped up in the excitement. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, you're like, whoa, this is a real like. It's a bit of a depressing movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of sad stuff going on in this, in this you know game board movie. But yeah, <laughs> twenty six years, Sarah. Good. Uh, I do feel Jumanji's the one that kind of. I guess you could almost put towards as being the closest he kind of gets to making a Jurassic movie mm, before he yes. then gets his Jurassic movie more creature mayhem on the rampage. Um, so you'd think that kind of like um, would open it up as a bit of a audition piece. Mm, but, and I think um, he did approach Spielberg after he did the indeed. first Jurassic. I think he said, I want to do the sequel. And Spielberg's like, well, I'm doing that one. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can take the next one. <laughs> How about 26? <laughs> I'll give you Sign part three if I deem it so. <laughs> if I'm done with it by then, you can have it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you should say, like even Johnson and Spielberg's uh, uh, relationship and friendship goes back, even back to um, where Johnson was working on those the original Star Wars trilogy. He also worked on the original Indiana Jones movies. He was art director on Raiders on the, of the Lost Ark in particular, storyboarding a lot of that and uh, designing a lot of those action sequences. So that, that there's a kinship between the two, which um, makes it makes him feel like a nice natural successor to on, on paper to go and hand the reins of this franchise over, um, particularly after Spielberg felt he was done. Um, with the dinos uh, post the Lost World, um, so it was, and Johnson very much came to Spielberg with the idea of doing it because of his equal love for child uh, childhood love for dinosaurs, um, and Spielberg. Um, it was after October Sky came out in 1999, and Spielberg called Johnson to be like, just to say, I really liked your movie. Also, uh, <laughs> you still want to make one of them Jurassics? Because <laughs> um, Jurassic Park 3 was first announced, I believe, and correct by Universal in, 19- in the summer of 1998, about a year after The Lost World had come out. And at that time, um, uh, Spielberg was attached, but at, even at this point, only as a producer. And Crichton was a uh, still michael crichton of course the original author of the books was attached to work on the story he quietly stepped away as he couldn't figure it out and wanted to focus on his novel timeline which richard donner would make into a film mm. in 2002 <laughs> i still haven't seen that film i think i read the book but i haven't seen the film that, that's one that's got its own weird uh, <laughs> production histories <laughs> right, right. That, that can be a spin-off episode mm-hmm um, but with Joe Johnson in place, uh, work quickly began on figuring out the story. 
um, with Spielberg's initial suggestion being to have Dr. Alan Grant return, mm-hmm. uh, but in a bit more of a Robinson Crusoe character mode, um, with Grant having secretly lived on Sauna to study uh, raptors. Um, but Johnson scrapped that idea pretty quickly out the gate because he just didn't believe that Grant from the first film would willingly return to the island in such a way. Um, but like the return, the idea of Grant returning stuck with Sam Neill more than happy to have another staff at the part, recalling that he felt much more comfortable the second time around, particularly with the accent. <laughs> um, the first writer to have a crack that I could find was Australian uh writer-director Craig Rosenberg, who's now better known as being on part of the head writer's team of the likes of Preacher and The Boys and Gen V, that spin-off. Um, he was first man brought on board in the summer of 1999, and his story uh, followed three families. Um, one with, like, all the adults were on one plane. I think I'm right in saying it. All the yes. kids were on another plane. Yes, I And the, the kid's plane crashed. Yes. And that's the one that you kind of follow um, on Issa Sauna. Um, but Johnson himself found that script unwieldy, overcomplicated, with too much teen angst and witty <laughs> sitcom one-liners. Mm. <laughs> like a bad episode of Friends. <laughs> yes. Well, I think he came from comedy, didn't he, the guy? Yes. Yeah, he was not a... Yeah, I think he'd only made one. He had made one film before, which was an Australian comedy. Which I, I'm assuming maybe just Spielberg watched and was like, "I like that. I'm gonna write <laughs> a Jurassic movie." Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and maybe he felt after the the second film being quite uh, dark, maybe he actually thought, "Actually, let's let's make the third let's one a bit more upbeat." Start this one back. A bit. Yeah, and have a bit more humor in there, make it lighter. Don't know. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd choice, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is there anything else that you can remember about that script, David, or is that pretty much the main beat? Um, there's. One? I don't know if it's that script. Is is this the one where they they jump from the the island to the mainland, or is that the next? Revision? Well, this this is the next version. Okay. That, um, Peter Peter Butchman That's uh, right. wrote, who was a a theatre playwright at the time, um, when he was hired in December '99, shortly after Johnson and threw out Rosenberg's work. Um, Butchman's draft is the one that's lo- most largely reported on, and is the one that kind of got the got really close to being the one that they were going to shoot. Um, his draft involves dinosaurs causing a series of serious killings on the mainland. Something that's again kind of uh, bringing in element disused unused elements from the novels. With the investigation involving the Costa Rican government, with a parallel story that involves Grant, Billy, and the family crash landing on sauna um to give a bit more color to what else was going on in this script it um starts a vacation couple who go parasailing over sauna that's present and correct (laughs) (laughs) later becoming tourists who go missing there and the u.s state department goes to costa rica to meet with an environmentalist who informs them of the recent dinosaur attacks and that's who we follow on that kind of uh investigation side plot Meanwhile, uh, Grant is seeking financial donors, present and correct, in the final <laughs> in the final piece, um, with a character by the name of Finch, not Kirby, offering Grant Finchy. exclusive research rights Pretty to the good, island uh, if he helps good the rep. U.S. Yeah, <laughs> if he helps the U.S. government acquire jurisdi- jurisdiction over it, which Grant agrees to, and uh, he's also sc- uh, and goes to testify 
with the uh, environmentalists and the US government representative um, at a hearing that is supposed to be held in Costa Rica. But at the same time, Grant gets another proposal from a businessman who's offering to f- give another donation if he's to join him on a flight across Isa Sauna. So Grant's got two warring um, offers here, both of which he accepts. Um, and he goes, oh, I'll just fly around the island. I'll be back in time for the hearing. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he's not. Because <laughs> 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 um, the plane crashes along with Grant, uh, Billy, and uh, the wealthy businessman's son, who in this draft is called Miles. Miles. Um, also on the tour is a... Uh, uh, Paul, Paul, who I, is he still called Paul? And is William yeah, H. Macy Paul still called Roby, Paul? Isn't it? Paul, Paul Roby, that's it. Paul and Amanda. Um, and su- she's called uh, Susan in a Butch- Butchman's script, and she is just a business associate and his girlfriend. But Miles doesn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when the plane is forced to land, it hits an unidentified flying object. Uh, not, an, not an identified flying object, an identif- unidentified object. <laughs> that, would, that would be a twist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so easy to go again. It's, like, it's all said in the E.T. universe. Again. <laughs> um, and then following pretty much as the final film does, hitting a Spinosaurus and then alternating between the island and the hearing in San Jose revealing that dinosaur attacks have been taking place across various points in the mainland um, from California to Panama. So that it, it's spreading uh, a dominion, if you will. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's a bit too complicated for me now. Could you make it a bit simpler, please, and maybe take away the ending? Uh, yeah, well... <laughs> Sorry, I jumped ahead a little bit there for the sake of a cheap gag. Uh, the island scenes were very much kind of the same. Um, there's the Avery sequence to the mm-hmm. Injant laboratory sequences. But in this draft, they're much more complicated. They're much longer. Billy dies uh, Good, in a Tyrannodon attack. <laughs> and the final act sees the US government send fighter jets in to bomb the island and destroy the dinosaur population as a result of this hearing. Yes. Um and in the process, um, or everyone that's trapped there is rescued, but Grant goes, no, and runs away <laughs> <laughs> back into the jungle. <laughs> I wish that was laughing. <laughs> I think in the description of it, they just say he is spotted just running away into the jungle. <laughs> I can just imagine this aerial footage of like, it's Grant, and it's like, <laughs> I must go be with the raptors now. <laughs> the raptors need me. <laughs> uh, that'd be uh, wonderful. But those are the general beats of Butchman's script. And this is the script uh, um, that is being used for pre-production, for designing sets, for storyboarding, for building the, mon- the dino- new dinosaurs out. As a lot of the dinosaurs present in this script are still the dinosaurs that are in the final movie so particularly your Spinosaurus the uh, more uh, kind of social pack of raptors and uh, the pteranodons as well in the in the Avery cage um, <laughs> however um, it was around July 2000 um, 
And bear in mind at this point, uh, production is about to kick off in Hawaii again um, in August 2000. Um, Spielberg felt that the script just wasn't working and believing radical action was needed ahead of the looming August start date. Johnson was equally concerned, feeling Butchman's script was too complicated, particularly in getting Grant back to the island. And it was uh, the screenwriter of the first two two movies, our old friend David Kep, who suggested the simpler rescue mission plot after reviving, uh, revising. Well, I don't think he actually ended up doing any work on this. He just read and reviewed Butchman's latest draft. And Spielberg and Johnson very much agreed that the streamlined version with less characters and less jumping back and forth would be the way to go. Uh, David Kep has said this of his involvement. Shouting from the sidelines is one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> Because you have all the fun of making up stories with none of the responsibility. Sometimes it's of value, and sometimes I'm sure it's just annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he did for Lost World, though, was the rescue mission. Do you think he just goes yeah. from project to project and shouting, How about it's the rescue? rescue. <laughs> Mr. Kev, sit down. The idea of having him go to the mainland and back to the island, I think, still hmm. has. Um, a lot of potential. I think actually that was interesting because it's in the original novel. I don't know if you remember, but in the original Jurassic mm. Park novel, it ends on this um, them like weird all, corporate note. Yeah, them like ending like, up in, in, stuck a hotel in that hotel. Where they can't leave, and then there's reports of raptors crossing the main, being spotted crossing the mainland. And I think mm-hmm. there's something about Crichton does that a lot in his books in The Lost World and other stories as well, where there'll be rumours of something circulating and then there'll be some scientific guy trying to work out the truth yeah and i think that actually would have been cool to mix with the third Mm. chapter there's a a description of um, a a village where they've captured what they think is a dinosaur and they've kept it in a cage and the guy goes to investigate it and when he gets there he finds a broken cage and loads of dead villagers and I'm mm. like, whoa, that's yeah, that's, that's a good really eerie fun. scene. Like, to, like the into... aftermath of it, you don't need to see what's happened mm. to kind of. That's the type of thing where Paint your imagination gets firing. So yeah, I, I like I like the idea of that stuff. Yeah, um, it's something that like even like when you go uh, into the future of the franchise, even from describing that version of Butchman's script, mm. there's still bits being recycled across yes. uh, the later trilogy. I think. You think particularly like Fallen Kingdom, you yes. have that um, court case, the hearing yes. of uh, yeah. Jeff Goldblum, and you have that peppering of like getting into the mainland. But I agree. I think a good, there is a good solid idea in having a film that's more about of a mystery of getting on the mainland rather than yes, they're all on the mainland, yes. <laughs> which is where I... we do it end up just very quickly and very suddenly. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, kind could, of build you could have had that whole story about quite the third refreshing. film, about the intelligence of the raptors and how much of a threat they are, and then mm-hmm. end on the note of, we think there's a few on the mainland, but don't you don't necessarily need to have them captured up and rack it up in a bow. Just kind yeah. of like posit the idea that they're still Just have that ominous there. note. Yeah. yeah, and like you through the whole film, you've seen how lethal they are and how dangerous they are, and then you're just at the end. the 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 resolution is that they've got off the island, they survived, but it looks like there are raptors on the mainland, and there's not much people can do about that. And that would just be, I think, that would be okay to end like that because it's, you know, Jurassic Park 
wasn't that things were going to end up right. You kind of you let it out of the bag and you you know you've opened Pandora's box. So to leave yeah. it on that open ending, and it does have an open ending weirdly, Jurassic Park three. It does, but yeah. It, it could be more ominous, I think, mm-hmm. and be okay. Completely agreed. Completely agree. Uh, and I think like and it does feel weird, kind of take hearing the stories about this, particularly this script, how far along it was, literally a month away from production and i'd love to like get a hard copy and read it just to see what wasn't really clicking because yes i get that there's multiple tangents but there's also like i don't feel like it's that complicated at the same time um but uh for johnson um speaking about it uh, so in july around this time in july 2005 weeks before filming began is when they make the decision to throw out the script the entire second script completely um, with $18 million having already been spent on the film um, in the pre-production stages, because Stan Winston and, and his crew are already building all the dinosaurs. Uh, they're all built, pretty much, and de- sequences have been storyboarded and designed and uh, being mapped out. Uh, sound stages are being built um, with fake, massive fake jungles in. So now it becomes a point of um, what the hell are we going to do with everything that's designed so far, we need to get a script sorted that goes from A to B and still manages to use the elements that are already well and truly in development that we have and can't not use. We have to make sure we're using what money we've spent already in some productive way. Uh, Johnson saying the harsh reality that we were going to throw out the script and start developing a new idea so close to principal production, frankly spun everything into chaos. Ultimately, we all knew it was the right thing to do. I just wish Kep had had the idea 12 weeks before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So in order to kind of get that script into shape, um, they'd started work on revising another draft, um, using some elements from that draft and the original draft uh, to salvage the work that had been already put into the project at that point. And on... Coming on board the project are Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor, fresh off election, (laughs) Um, who come on to join, uh, come on in uh, the end of July. um, And they were largely hired to kind of improve the characters in the story. Yeah, that makes Um, sense. Yeah, to like just focus in on like what key characters are kind of left. Um, um, And because what was left of the script was primarily consisting of action and the action sequences that they couldn't not could not have could not not have. Um, they were surprised to receive the offer um, as a project diff- very much different from their last films. Yeah. Um, so they were very much um, took took it as a kind of chance to pepper in a bit of humor and a bit of personality, bringing in a new opening, introducing the Kirby's, bringing back Ellie. And keeping and keeping those key action scenes like the Spino versus the T Rex, Raptors in the lab, and the Avery cage, and the barge scene, all of which were kept but very much tightened up. Butchman would stick on the project, making some subsequent revisions of the script, and he even um, was someone who flew out to Hawaii to continue to work on it whilst they were shooting. And John August did some uncredited work. Um, uh, Payne and Taylor. Um, much of the humour that they added, um, much to their dismay, they saw the final film, was not used. (laughs) 
pain records. We gave them a new script. We saw the movie, and it's all action. They took it all out. <laughs> was any of anything used, though? Let's be honest. Yeah. What, was, what was left? What it, was, was it? it was Spielberg's original notes. They just yeah. added loads of stuff, took Stick it back out, and then they were like, right, you just have to film this. Uh, shooting began on August 30th, 2000, just two days after the original scheduled date, which is pretty good going, considering what mess it was in. <laughs> um, but as Billy at D'Alessandro Nivola recalls, there still wasn't a script. Uh, with Johnson also reflecting, scripts were always evolve and morph during production, but having a completed free act story structure is a comforting safety net. On JP3, that was never an option. We'd be shooting scenes that preceded or followed material that hadn't even been written yet. The running joke was that the rap gift was going to be a shooting script. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Um, And that would very much remain the case throughout all the shooting, be it on location or back in California on Universal Sound stages. Uh, Namely, the ending being left largely undetermined throughout most of the uh, shoots. Um with the original bombing ending next and a scene of the Pteranodons attacking the escape helicopter also being scrapped. Mm. Um, in favour of going for the US military approved um, ending of the Marines and the Navy arriving on the shores, um, something which wasn't decided on or settled with the cooperation of the US military until very late in the day when production had already wrapped in Hawaii, so everyone had to go back. Um <laughs> <laughs> to, to finish Lord. shooting it <laughs> um, having wrapped in early 2001 the film had a tight six month post-production schedule with Johnson hunkering down with his editor Robert D- Daver to cut, get the picture cut mm-hmm. um, Daver's cut would ultimately clock in at just 92 minutes with Johnson <laughs> believing I feel that 100 minutes is the perfect length for any film this, particularly this genre but you also have to remember we had no finished script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wow. We were shooting based on notes written on a napkin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> literally, I think. Like they were hashing it out in trailers. Apparently, like even William H. Macy would like rewrite kind of like dialogue yes. uh, uh, in- interaction of his scenes, but he was getting pissed. Macy was getting pissed. Some of the quotes yeah. from him. <laughs> yeah, he was not not a happy buddy on this set. <laughs> I think someone should be shot is something he says. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nivola would say most of what William H. Macy's contributions to figuring out uh, beats in the script just resulted in him being like, and then I save everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! I'm not really dead! <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of his additions for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. He's like, okay, we'll we'll use that that one. We'll we'll let you have one, Will. (laughs) And also bring Billy back. (laughs) (laughs) And Ellen's hat. (laughs) Gotcha. Those are his conditions. Oh, I'm leaving the film. Oh, I walk. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, the film did make its scheduled release date of uh, July 18th, 2001, um, with reviews at the time being mixed to poor, um, <laughs> with Peter Peter Travers of Rolling Stone stating, JP3 stinks worse than Dino Dung, while Variety claimed that except for the visual effects, the movie has a hand-me-down feel. Uh, some people were kind to it at the time, with New York Times' Elvis Mitchell um, calling it speedy and light on its feet. While Roger Ebert said, it's not as awe-inspiring as the first film, 
or as elaborate as the second. But in its own B-movie way, it's a nice little thrill machine. Uh, box office-wise, it still fared pretty well, um, with an opening day of $19 million, the second highest grossing Wednesday of all time, following The Phantom Menace, uh, two years prior. <laughs> and it would go on to gross uh, $80.9 million in its first five days, easily topping the weekend, um, beating fellow newcomer, uh, America's Sweethearts at number two with $30 million. <laughs> Anyone remember America's Sweethearts? <laughs> so, Jim Cusack and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, right, Julia Roberts and Julia Billy Roberts. Crystal. It's a good cast. It's a good cast, that movie. It's a very 2001 movie. <laughs> <laughs> we used to make things in this country. <laughs> that would open movies like that that would open a 30 million dollars you don't it doesn't happen anymore well anyone but you i'm holding out a lot of hope um and jp3 would go on to earn 181.2 million in the united states and for a further 368.8 million, uh, million worldwide overall mm. making it the eighth highest grossing film of 2001 um off of its 93 million dollar budget However, it remains the lowest grossing film in the franchise. But not not any not a slouch by any means. In terms of million dollars per like per minute, this has to be the most expensive. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. It's a, yeah. <laughs> just just slightly <laughs> slightly more than a million dollar Spare a minute. <laughs> On the spared no expense scale, this is, no this is top. <laughs> um, the film has had somewhat of a reappraisal in recent years, uh, with Sam Neill um, reflecting positively and encouraging fans to give it mm. another look. I do like that. Um, mm. Particularly when he was on that Dominion pre- press tour. Um, he was. <laughs> I mean, one of his things was like, I think that's a pretty damn good movie. <laughs> <laughs> so like you're Sam Neill. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll try. I sound it. Pretty damn good movie. That, what was that? <laughs> That's all right. Kiwi. That was pretty good. That's though. a terrible kiwi. <laughs> um, Johnson himself, uh, upon rewatching the film in 2020, reflected: "There are parts that are better than I remembered, and there are moments I wish I could reshoot. I suppose that may be true of any director looking back. We evolve as filmmakers." But once made and shown to the world, the films do not. Alan! Uh, Alan! Let us get into our discussion proper. And with that uh, storied history of travel production behind us, uh, David, what do you think of that final product? And... Do the do the do the strains of the trouble production show in the final product for you? I I think I think he did a pretty good job. I have to be honest. Mm. I think given all of this, um, all of the the troubles they had getting this production off the ground, I think actually he managed to stave off most of the problems until the like third act of the film where he just quickly wraps it up. And I know there are a lot of um, People point out a lot of flaws in this film, but actually, when you watch it, the characters and the dialogue are pretty well fleshed out, especially like the setting up of the story, Alan Grant, what his focus is, 
what he's interested in finding more, finding out about, you know, which is the raptors and their intelligence, all of that being set up and then actually being paid off when he's on the island. All of that stuff shows that there was structure to the to the story and there was um, a lot of thought put into it. I think it's just a shame that it feels like money ran out by the time it got yeah. <laughs> And that's where... You gotta really, go, you gotta go. Yeah, even the Spinosaurus, which is, you know, bigged up to be this huge you know, monster, um, you know, it kind of runs off, scurries off Run in, away. In, a, in, in a fit of flames and, and then that's it and then you don't see it. Oh, again. no, they've got a flare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess it's in keeping with Alan Grant's yeah, yeah. use of flares. Um, <laughs> but, but, I've heard yeah, about this guy. <laughs> the Spinosaurus, yeah, it doesn't feel like it has a fitting end. And then also... Same even with the raptors, even that encounter with the eggs, it feels yeah. like there's going to be something more. It actually mm. feels like what's going to happen is there's going to be a showdown with the raptors and the spino at the end. And and, you, and yeah, the, the film you... just ends before it gets there. Mm. Um, and that would have been cool to have seen. Like Maybe the raptors take down the spino because actually that would have been a nice payoff. Basically like, you gave us back our eggs. We'll kill the spino for you. That's, all right. That's a done deal. We're all right. You scratch my bag, I scratch yours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I can imagine them being on the beach as well. Like they've made it to yeah. the beach. They've made it to the shore. They can see something in the distance to get off the island. And then the spino comes out and it's like, oh, him again. Tries to yeah. nab a helicopter. Yeah, tr- yeah. Jaws. And then the raptors come, come in. And, and it's, it's not so much that there's like a hero thing going on, but the raptors just come in and attack the spino because it's a threat on the coast. I think that would have been a cool ending and, and actually would have mm-hmm. made people kind of think, oh, actually, yeah, that was a decent movie. There was enough, uh, you know, set up and payoff in there to make it entertaining. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate this movie. I think it gets a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of hate, and I think, mm-hmm. um, but so does the Lost World these days, which I, I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, They're... I think it gets too much, too much hate, but I can see where the flaws. When anyone points out a flaw, I'm like, yes, I see exactly what you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I think it deserves more love. I think Sam Neill's right, actually. Mm. I agree. There's some good stuff in here. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to that point of uh, Joe Johnson, no matter what kind of like the overall quality of the movie, because like, I I think it's un- you can undoubtedly see the issues of the production here yes. with that. Because yes. the ending is just so abrupt. <laughs> there is yes. there is no, there is that, because you're right, would, could, something like mirrors the kind of T-Rex and the Raptor bit at the mm. end of the first one, yeah. first movie would would be quite welcome. Or even something that hints at something in the water. I, I, that's something that's always slightly bothered me about this film. It's mm. the start of it. Mm. The uh, pilots of the boat that are pulling the parasail yes. get eaten by something. And we never know what it no, was. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Yes. What, one of the drafts did dwell on that, didn't it, though, a little bit? Wasn't there a sequence, a climactic sequence that was set in the water or around? Ah. I forget. I, I can't think which Maybe. one it was now. Well, Which, see, um, I didn't know if that's what they were trying to set up in the lake at the end, because the Spinosaurus mm. is in the water. Yeah, and it's like it's aquatic. Just to suggest. Yeah, so it's like in the water already. So is mm-hmm. that suggesting that because it's attacked this boat, it's something that it's done before? It's attacked boats yeah. before. I f- um, you need that last tag, really, though, mm. don't you? Of it, like yeah, in the you ocean. Want, yeah, you <laughs> want to, maybe it could have come out of the water at the end, or yeah. something like comes out of the sea. That would have been there, a cool ending. Your, yeah, there's your ominous note. Yeah. That, like, oh, this thing can swim because and like they know that the Spinosaurus was an an aquatic 
carnivore as well. Maybe it's so, dragging in another <laughs> boat that it's found yeah. into the shore, and then you're like, oh, it's definitely the Spinosaurus. But the other thing people have said is, oh, well, it, it's the Pteranodons, obviously, because the Pteranodons are so obviously shown to, to fly around. And, but then you're like, well, no, because they're supposed to be caged up until mm, this yeah, point. Yeah, they so, only get out because Tia t- Leone didn't shut the bloody gate properly. Yes. <laughs> people say that the mist indicates the fact that that was the Pteranodons uh, because it goes all misty all of a sudden and they live in the mist in the, later on in the film. So I can see both theories. I lean towards the Spinosaurus one because we're shown the Spinosaurus swimming so clearly in that in that last yeah. bit. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think? Who do you think it is? I've been in a lot of mist in my time and I've never seen one to run it on. So, <laughs> I think I put that theory to bed. <laughs> I like the idea of it being the Spinosaurus and you can make yeah. that. Yeah. Like, I think it could be the screenwriters it. getting their own back. They're just mm. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, all these rewrites. They, they, they put <laughs> such a fine yeah, point too. on them leaving the gate open and the final shot is the Pteranodons flying toward, you know, flying in open yes. air yeah. for the first time. And That's they even right. address that in dialogue. So I, I think it can't. It can't, it can't be the Pteranodons, yeah. yeah. Although in previous <laughs> movies we have seen the Pteranodon. So mm. in the Lost World, we see one right oh, at the yeah, end. Oh, yeah, that's so the end tag. The, like, and it's <laughs> They're already the out. Remember your own goddamn movie. Yeah, so you do wonder, oh, is it? But yeah, there's like, there's, in, in Jurassic Park fandom, there are like two camps of people who tend to say, oh, no, I think it's Tyrannodons. And then there's others, because of the mist. And then there's others who say, oh, it's definitely the Spinosaurus. So it's funny. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like a big debate. Maybe it's the I... mist from the mist, so it's all those <laughs> interdimensional monsters. I like that. Thomas Jane yeah. killing his kid. I remember listening to the commentary for Jurassic Park 3 and they said that, um, I think it was Stan Winston or someone said that, yeah, in this film, all the humans are CGI and the dinosaurs are real for this one. <laughs> it was cheaper. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. Um, and, and going back to that kind of like um, reflection on how well this holds up, I I do find I grow slightly more fonder for this one as time goes on. Mm. I think particularly in light of where the sequels kind of do end up going. Yes, there is something like as kind of lean and stripped back as it is. That is something I find quite charming about it more and more, and particularly in in wake of the sequels. Yes, and I do attribute that to. Mm. Um, Yes, that kind of like last minute decision to throw it all out and strip it right back, but also just again the craftsman that Joe Johnson mm. is to just be able to be like, all right, let's just we've got what we've got, we've got the models and set, we've got the sets and set. Um, I know how visual effects work on screen. Um, let's shoot it. We'll get it, and we will get it done, and it will be um, thrilling yes. in, mm. in sequences because there are some really strong sequences. In oh, for sure, the whole for sure. Whole, um, what are some of your highlights, Josh, uh, in terms of... Definitely the Pteranodon cage. I mean, I'm not breaking any barriers by saying the, the bit in the giant bird cage is, is pretty... <laughs> yeah, yeah, my it's... sister always just would be like, it's time for the big bird cage. <laughs> we do a it's chat. really well done. I, I don't think... I mean, he, he's... He, again, I don't think I'm going to upset anyone by saying he doesn't have Spielberg's sense of uh, crafting mm. tension within a set piece. But I think that's the closest he gets to something like The Lost yeah. World's... Um, mm. Uh, uh, the the trailer over the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the closest thing to that level of tension. The way it builds yeah. is really, really, really cool and really impressive. 
And there's a logic, a, a frustration I have with a lot of these sequences is, is there's not an awful lot of logic built into them and the stripped back nature of it all and the fact they were flying by the seat of their pants. To me, there's, there's not an awful lot of connective tissue between between yeah, set pieces. Yeah, scene, scene, scene. Um, yeah. So there's, there is a bit of a logic issue with a lot of the, um, you know, connecting elements in this film. But I think that the the bit in the big birdcage is pretty airtight. And, yeah. um, and just the way, yeah, the, the build of it and the payoff and, and Billy's death to me is very gratifying because I hate Billy. And uh, it's very nice to see <laughs> Stupid him. egg boy. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, definitely, it sounds like I'm a little cooler on it than you guys are. Um, this is the the stripped back nature of it is a little bit of a blessing and a curse. It, it's mm. nice that it's so fleet, and I do feel like to, when it gets towards the end, I am a little bit like there's just there's, there's there's nothing bridging the gaps. It's just it's just lumbering from big sequence to big sequence. Mm. But yeah. um, I think the the benefit of that is that. I mentioned in, in, in the last episode, Dave, in the uh, previous Jurassic Park sequel episode, that I do think that hmm. Jurassic Park is, is such... Um, to me, is not a sequelable story. Yeah. I, or at least, certainly not in the ways that we've seen on film. I think they do struggle to find a way to get back in there. Yeah, the benefit definitely. of this compared to The Lost World is The Lost World ties itself in knots justifying them going back. Whereas I do appreciate the simplicity of this setup more. Yes, that yeah. good point. In in the previous one, because it, it it's a little bit silly, but it's mm. clean enough, and you yeah, buy yeah. it enough, I think, that you go along with it. It's actually true to uh, Grant's character in the first mm. film as well. It's the same draw; it's money again, and it's yeah, you know, yeah. and it's Fun funding thing. his dick. So it, it's it's you know, if you're going to get him back again, like <laughs> use the same trick because that is yeah. his nature. So yeah, that part of it kind of makes sense. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it I think that works. I think it works as him getting there. I think maybe the crash it, itself and the circumstances of them getting to the island is a bit overdone, but extreme and shocking. <laughs> yeah. But I think they're kind of like trying to shock you into the into the island so that you don't question it too much, I think. Yeah. And that's that's kind You're of like, oh no, it. we're here now. Yeah. <laughs> like they literally have to knock him like, out and he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The part now is like when they're landing and then they're, the guys go off and, and they they kind of, it, it's coming to grant what's going on. That part mm-hmm. now really grates for some reason with me. Like when they're when they're on that landing strip and yeah. he's like, you know, it sounds bigger. He hears something, he's like, sounds bigger. Dr. Grant <laughs> says it's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good idea. <laughs> that whole bit. I think I just think the, the maybe the, the like you're saying, the transitions between the set pieces and getting mm. there could have been worked on, could have been smoothed over a little bit better. Mm. But the actual idea itself, the nugget of the yeah. idea. Makes sense when it's like Grant looking out the window saying, "Oh, just look over here, Mrs. Kirby. There's a um, you know herd of Triceratops over here," and that kind of you know that feels in keeping with with you know Alan Grant and then yeah. him being sort of you know ushered into this disaster. I think I think that works. Like you say, it's yeah. it's better than Lost Worlds in a way. So and yeah, Neil's very Sam Neil's very good at that kind of like mm. weary world weariness. <laughs> yes, it's just like. <laughs> yeah, I have to say the dialogue for his character is very well written. I think a lot of it carries over really, like the way he says it. I don't know if he's kind of like asked to rephrase things a certain way on the set because that's what good actors do. They kind of go like he wouldn't say it like this. He'd say 
this and then the director will go yeah that sounds better let's go with that and then and and that's the dialogue we're getting in the film but i just i, I believe the things coming out of his mouth most of the time and that reality to the characters is so important um mm-hmm. so even though the story goes you know quite far out in some places i think the dialogue holds up in most places yeah not everywhere <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you all right that him and Ellie aren't together? Yes, I, I, want, see, I, I, I like I'm that. I'm thinking back to like that. Uh, I wonder. I'm now wondering what like the the kind of for, like the forum discussions back in the day were with. Like, yes, kind of, yes. Particularly around around like particularly this element and also the kind of Spino versus T Rex. But yes, let's go Grant Grant and Ellie first, and then Spino versus T Rex. <laughs> I mean, I can't remember, but I don't think people had a major problem with that because. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. I think it's almost like if you're going to do a third chapter of Jurassic Park, real world stuff has happened. Basically, that's mm. how it feels. Like, mm. like Alan and Ellie have had a divorce. Like, this is a real world film. To actually have them together and be twee in a couple and have it like really, you know, romantic opening with it just wouldn't feel right. It wouldn't feel. Yeah. Um, I feel like the the first film had a bit more grit than that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that that makes perfect sense. I don't really, I don't worry about it too much when I'm watching it. What I do worry about yeah. is when they're kind of like pushed back together in Dominion, yeah. <laughs> and it's like that wasn't something I really ever like thought about. I never really yeah. wanted that. So I think and yeah, Grant, Grant becomes like a bashful teenager. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's kind of nice. It's kind, I guess it's kind of like okay, I Just can see like why you fam- did that. But it's like you ran out of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I I think um, yeah, him and Ellie being apart, I don't mind so much. What I really like is their conversation in the kitchen mm, when yeah, they're sat like across that. the table. That just feels very natural. The way he's talking about you know the raptors, they could talk more than we ever thought, and that building up of the intelligence of the raptors is just a really interesting thread, and it feels like a natural progression of the Jurassic Park narrative like it feels yeah, like that's a good way going. to go if you're going to go anywhere um and then, <laughs> and then by Jurassic World they're they're trained dogs um but yeah <laughs> I, I think you know I, I I think that's a that's an interesting route to go and it makes them more formidable as adversaries it kind of builds them up before you go back to the island mm. in a way so now they've got even more appeal even more threat to them yeah so yeah, I they like are that. scary in this one. They are. Like, aren't I, they? I, that's something I do. I really like the raptors in this one. Yeah, I think same. Those are my favorite. Yeah, some, like, they might be my favorite raptors in the franchise. Yes, just because same. they're in that like little sweet spot where they're. I like the design. Each one's got like quite a unique design. Yeah, I like the way they move. I like the way they look. Yes, and I like the kind of evolution of them from what we've kind of been shown as being quite quite cunning hunters yeah. to being yes. even more. Even more so, I like the evolution of them. Yeah, and they, they and lay that trap with that poor guy. They, oh, oh yeah. so bad. I love that oh. beat. Yeah. <laughs> That's really dark, isn't it? Yeah, I, I love that shot of just the uh, feet walking mm. across, oh, and just yes. landing on his back, and then just stabbing that one. And then, yeah. and, then it, and then they, when they run off after they, they've like, well, the trap's been caught. There's that one that just hangs back. And breaks his yeah, head and just runs it's up. Savage. It's nasty. Yeah. <laughs> and also, there's the bit when they're running into the herd, and one just like speeds mm. across the the field, 
And I remember first time I saw that, I was like, oh. And I was thinking back to when Muldoon says, like, if they ever got out in the open, mm. like 60 miles an hour or something. is is the, is the And the words, I was like, wow, that's why they've put that in this film. And yeah, I was like, that's like, really cool to see. Wow. <laughs> yeah, to see that paid off. You know, what they set up in that first film paid off in the third. Um, mm. So, yeah, there's really nice little touches like that. Um, and there's, I, it's, there's some really nice, and it, like, I think, particularly with the raptors, mm. and also with the T Rex and the Spinosaurus, mm. which I will circle back to in a second. There's some of the smoothest blends between a Stan Winston model and a CG model. Yes, particularly in the case of the raptors. Sometimes in the case of one shot where you've got one more in the foreground and one kind of entering in the background. The foreground they've gotten to a point at this point in the development of the effects here where they feel so much more comfortable having those yes. uh, animatronic and the CG model interact in a way where um, for a lot of the time, particularly with the Raptors, it's quite imperceptible from which when it switches from that animatronic to mm. the CG model. Mm. And I, I, it just struck me this time. Um, I think it, particularly, again, having not to shit on too much, but having <laughs> still the Jurassic World movies in mind and just how much those, they, they don't kind of have, have that marriage and they don't have that uh they, they just don't look as good mm. Uh, mm. In, from just a kind of base level of creature design there's a yes. flatness too there's a, there's a flatness to it yeah those mm. newer ones than in yes the... yeah there's something about the animation as well that they do mm. at the time they're just like it feels like the the movement is much more refined and i know that was um i think it was dan taylor at ilm was head up the team for that he was he he was a really good animator. He'd worked on The Lost World as well. And I don't know if he, he might have worked on the original Jurassic Park, but he was really good at his kind of knowledge of keyframe animation and kind of, you know, getting his animators to do, put all this nuance in. And I think it really paid off. Like you look at that yeah. film, it feels like a masterclass in the Raptors uh, from Jurassic Park. So I think, yeah, I just think they did a really good job. Um, and also just the way they're rendered. They look fantastic. It feels like mm -hmm. they were treated as, you know, hero characters in a sense, in the same way that the Indominus Rex is in the new Jurassic World. And you can really see that they've had that, you know, that treatment. They've had all the money put into them. And, we, yeah. you know, after that point, I think because the Indominus Rex, the... Um, What's the second one? The Indoraptor. Because they became the focus. Christ. Less money was spent... <laughs> honing the raptors um yeah. and that shows really obviously in the new <laughs> one um so yeah it was like this peak time for the raptors i think the consensus is among jurassic park fans is that jurassic park 3 was the best the raptors had ever looked there was there are some conversations about the raptors moving robotically which if you watch it back you can see you know the movement is on some of the puppetry is, is a little bit maybe a little bit clunky and that might have been due to the time they had to shoot it yeah. um you know in terms of doing takes again but uh, yeah i agree when they have like a cgi raptor in the background and a puppet in the foreground it looks great it really does work well and they all kind of gel and you don't especially that ambush at the end with the eggs that just looks fantastic yeah. like mm, they look amazing when the way they you can have them come in with their full body and they just walk in and they've got a really nice gait and then like suddenly the animatronic head will come in you just buy it it all looks yeah. real so yeah they really were 
you know. I missed the balance. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, it was it was a great time. I mean, but I I think it was because they they did see them as hero characters back then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they did see them as important to the story back then, and I guess as years have gone on, they've just become another dinosaur that they need to make just to kind of pad out all the various species, whereas really they should get the hero treatment every time if you can. I think as as the films went on, the Jurassic World films, they did actually put a bit more love into into the single blue and beta. Mm. But yeah, they, yeah, they definitely look pretty good. <laughs> <in Jason. laughs> Got a yeah. lot of personality uh, as well. I love when they, they in, in when they're in the um, in the lab and they trap one of them behind um, oh, yes. the gate and yeah. he kind of he kind of looks up as if they're saying, really yeah, cheeky. I can yes. climb over this asshole. <laughs> I was thinking, just even the fact yeah. that he's hiding behind the tank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. It, it, it practices Boo. its own jump scare. Yeah, yeah. These, these these are these are good for good cheeky for buggers. Yeah, yeah. What, what was it doing while it was just a, yeah, it was just was like kind of like. make of the 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 new big bad for this one um the much touted logo changed spinosaurus because <laughs> that like i have uh, like through my years of being kind of involved like on very much on kind of like looking in on the dress fandom i am aware of this kind of like a lot of people weren't that happy with the mm-hmm. spinosaurus being the t-rex even to the point where there's that uh beat in jurassic world where the original rex knocks uh destroys the spinosaurus skeleton yes just oh, before that... it goes into the yes. fight with the indominus right. rex that's supposed to be a bit of a hey see um but yeah what did you what did you guys make of the spinosaurus did you like did you, did you like old spiny <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it was easy. That's what I have to. I think. I think the design probably wasn't easy. Probably working up the design at Stan Winston's probably wasn't. But the actual idea of it was too easy. It was like, in order to draw a crowd, we need to have a new T Rex. And I think, like, if you look at that from sort of outwardly looking in, you're like, no, no, you don't. You don't need another T Rex. You just need to really work on the story a bit and and make sure that everything. <laughs> works really well works. <laughs> you, you can have other new elements or new species of dinosaur but the t-rex is the top you know like there was that quote of the spielberg saying that he didn't like using two t-rexes on the lost world because yeah. he thought they cancelled out each other which i'm kind of like no they just doubled up it's like double the fun <laughs> that's 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 not cancelling out that's just like double the threat um so i yeah i don't think we needed two but i do think you could have done things. I think actually maybe going smaller would have been smarter. So have a smaller predator, mm. Mm. a new pack creature, or there was a, a there was talk of Raptors, which I think became the Pyroraptor in Dominion in the end. But for Jurassic Park three, there were these things that were gonna 
like come out of the ground and they were like spy mm. like a scavenger like spiders that come out of the ground and grab people and pull them back underground and stuff which That's would creepy. have been cool yeah so it's like there's <laughs> loads of ideas like that that they could have done i'm not sure it needed to be the big but people have become really fond of this of the spinosaurus over the years so it's like it's gained its own sort of you know following and, mm. and people love it but yeah I, th- I think it's just too transparent what their their motive was with that and I'm not mm. sure I like it. But yeah, what do you think, Josh? Um that far, I don't know. I'm not I'm not um I'm not <laughs> I'm not a hugely knowledgeable dino guy, so it's just another dinosaur. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not got an awful lot of personality. I do like yeah. this one, but I really like the bit when they're all reunited either side of the fence when they find Eric. Oh yes. Yeah. Alan is with Eric and then you have um uh, Paul and Amanda on the other side with the, the poor bald guy that is about to get his back broken. Yeah, I think I think he's there at that point still. Yeah, and then uh, Eric and Co are following the phone, the, the ringtone, because they think that Paul has the phone still. Then they both get together and realize, oh no, it's just not us. And then you just cut to Spinosaurus yeah, standing so behind them. The expression that goes, "Did I do that?" It's very sneaky for a big guy. Yes, he keeps sneaking up on them. <laughs> well, yeah, that, 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 was good, that, that was a good bit. Yeah, yeah, that was a good, a good reveal. It's just the way it just cuts to, cuts to <laughs> yeah. it. It's just already there. It's not like it's a moment yeah. from like the jungle. It's, like, it's literally already there. I'm, st- I'm stood over here, guys. Like, it's, that's one of the, the forest, like, that's one of the cleaner through lines in this script as well. Getting that ringtone yeah, at the start yeah. before they board yeah. the plane. Getting the ringtone when it's in the dinosaur. Yeah, get the ringtone again. And uh, are actually pretty fun. There's some that work. Yeah, <laughs> there's, so, there's some the, baked in here. The best sustained one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it pays off with the piles of shit later on that they're having to yeah. sit through. Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts Which on Spiny Andrew? Oh, go on. You're going to talk about some shit first. Let's talk about shit. Well, I was just going. The shit was made of oatmeal that was all i wanted oh, to say it? i know oh, that yeah I know that. i'm excited for my breakfast tomorrow now <laughs> what do you think um, about a spiny friend i really like the model of him i like how big it is <laughs> cool yeah <laughs> and um that's certainly less successful in the kind of like um cg to animatronic cg to animatronic mm. uh in terms of the spinosaurus i think just because of uh, how big um, Stan Winston's guys made it because I, I, I and I like they've talked about how like the I think the jaw was like five feet long mm. and um, the head could move at like close to like a hundred miles per hour and but I love that like like love looking at the behind the scenes stuff of this uh, where it, this has gotten to a point where the technology for puppeteering these things um, it doesn't need to be like. Uh, 12 guys inside of a thing it's now gotten to the point where you just literally have a guy wearing a bodysuit and the movement he does is reflected in the dinosaur and I just think that must be the funnest job in the world <laughs> 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 to have your credit as 
Spinosaurus head aperture. I was going like this with my arms, just knowing that, like, that's me. I'm telling Leone to shreds. That was me. It's my part. It's my part. So I've got a question for you, too, then. David, as a dino man, and Andy, as someone who likes seeing two big beasts fighting each other. <laughs> what do you two think of the T-Rex versus the Spinosaurus scene? Oh, I, I think, again, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm not sure it needed to happen, but when I saw it on the screen, I was like, wow, this is good fun, actually. This is uh, this is quite exciting. I think it's because of the way they, they film it. It's actually really dramatic and um, just the, the, the way that they're they're so brutal with each other, it, mm. it, it, and it happens quite quickly as well. The battle is over quite quickly. I think people wanted it to be lengthier, but I guess it would be over fairly quickly. You know, there wouldn't be one would be more powerful than the other, and then it would be, would yeah. be over. But I actually thought it was really well done. I just think the 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 battle could have been really bad. I've heard that they they shot it with animatronics first, and yeah. they felt it yeah, wasn't they dynamic enough. And I'm glad they did that and revised it and went over it with visual yeah. effects because I think it works really well and the movement of the camera seems to work quite nicely mm. so yeah I think it's it's exciting and then Grant's there like nestled in between the uh, <laughs> the branches <laughs> screaming his head off I, just, I <laughs> yeah. think it's great I think it's a good fun little sequence I think yeah I, yeah. I don't have a problem I mean, with that I mean, it's quite interesting how like early on in it it comes yes. Um, yes. it kind of just like all right, let's get this yeah, out of the way. <laughs> just, yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, so there's a slight flippancy to it, I think. Um, and I do think that is a little bit a part of like the point you were talking to, David, where they initially had a, a lot more of it being between the two animatronics and then kind of swapped a lot of it out for more CG models. But I, I like what they're kind of going for, the kind of, you know, the your echoing your Harryhausen creature feature um big beasties come and come and fight or one comes out on top sort of approach and i and it serves its purpose of being like um you thought that guy was me and establishing that 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 kind of threat level for the spinosaurus but there there's always that part of me that's a bit like uh because you don't see the spinosaurus again for that point for a long time after that that point relative to the film and it's because like well he's not going to bother with them now he's got a big old t-rex to <laughs> chow down on for a while yeah that's a meat as well the meat off a t-rex is i imagine so much tenderer and juicier than, than human yeah. meat they're all pretty scrawny yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite king kongy isn't it it's got a nice king kong yeah. especially yes. if you think that the peter jackson version was probably in development at this. No, I guess he well, was yeah, finishing Lord of the Rings, right? Had yeah, to finish up Lord of the Rings first. But, but four, he's four years ahead. On his back burner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, that's a film I haven't seen for an awful long time, and um, I need to rewatch that actually. Yeah, Peter Jackson's, you mean? Yes, Peter yeah. Jackson's version. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of the effect shots. I, I was trying to situate Jurassic Park three in the evolution of um, CGI, and I, I do hold up in my mind anyway. S- most of King Kong, there are some dicey moments, but most of King Kong, yeah, I do hold up in my of... head. The fur, particularly. 
mm, um, yeah. as as a high watermark for the T Rex fights are good. Oh, yeah. Yes, good yes. CG. Scene. I think this and... this holds its own pretty well. Mm. I think it, it looks pretty good to say it was yeah. so. Right it, now, from from the perspective of twenty twenty three, it's quite mm-hmm. still quite early in the development of that kind of deployment of those. Yeah, things. really. It's where I think it's like we were saying. It's kind of a point where they're hitting their stride, mm. and the kind of blending, mm. yeah, and mm. yeah, yeah, of it all, and it shows. Yeah, it's effective. There is a um, fan theory that the T Rex is the baby T Rex from the Lost World, uh. which I. Because it, it, it's kind of it, it's green, yeah. I guess it, it kind of it makes sense that it could be. And so, and, but it's like divided fans. There's like those who completely reject the idea, like you know, that's preposterous. Like that would never happen. Um, and and part of me is like they could have put something maybe on its leg, like a mark or a scar on yeah. its leg to kind of indicate. Someone going there with a magnifying glass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because fans Let's love that. Like an I heart San Diego T-shirt as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a giant piece of um, what was it, tin foil or something they put around its leg? But yeah. Like, just grown with the size of its leg, like masses of tin foil just covering one leg. Um, yeah. So I kind of like that theory it's a bit like the owen grady being the boy from uh the one who gets shown the claw in the first jurassic park <laughs> he's, he's the one who has to show more respect uh to raptors and then ends up being owen Grady. I, li- I like those little fan theories even though you know they, they divide opinion yeah it's always a bit of fun to kind of like flesh out and fill in pockets of the world yeah. <laughs> speaking of um, um young people just to quickly uh, crowbar in an Eric discussion. What what are your what, what do you fellas think of Eric? Yeah, we haven't really talked oh, yeah, too much about the characters. Yeah. There are char- there are humans in this. <laughs> Less said about Billy the better, because as far as I'm concerned, he's no better than the people that built this place. I think, yeah, I think it's interesting because that's another one where people kind of say, "Oh, he wouldn't have survived that long." It's so, you know far-fetched that he would have survived i guess it's kind of like you just have to tell this story this is the story mm. that they've decided yeah. on it's a bit like jumanji you know he, he, being exactly. alone in the jungle for 26 years is is not going to happen but it's just the fact and, that this and is and again i think that idea appeals to kids it right? does they'd be like yes. i could be the dino yeah. kid that yeah, survived exactly. on the island for My eight weeks favorite or so. <laughs> scene in the film is when he finds alan and takes him to his little shack it's really homely yeah. and he's <laughs> eric's a really good host i really yeah. like everything he gives him a nice little bean meal and some chocolate yeah, for dessert and... beans? i've always yeah. tried to work out what he's actually i assumed it was beans. that big tin I, I didn't know if it was a dessert I, or something. Like I had this thought, thought watching it this time that like he's eating that like ravenous and I'm like it's been like three hours, right? Because <laughs> 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 of the whole big tin, like he's eating the whole thing. <laughs> you couldn't have had like your well, first meal of the day that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> thing, though, I'm thinking like, was that the leftovers in that tin? And it's been yeah. in that stale. This is my right? now, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, 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 was because it's such a big tin. Did Alan Grant yeah. eat that whole tin, <laughs> or is it the remains of the tin? Eric's had a bit, <laughs> left the lid on to keep some kind of freshness in there, but in Eight reality, weeks. that's going to taste awful. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so got... He's really chowing down he there. Is. That must be great. Yeah, he pisses <laughs> the whole thing off. So, hungry, yeah, hungry boy. But you're right, Eric is a good host. He is. I, lo- and I, I like, like Eric. I like Eric a lot. I like him a lot more than his parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his parents can go fuck themselves. That little <laughs> shit-eating friends that his parents have got on their faces at the end. 
Let's go home. Yeah, damn. <laughs> How many people died so you guys could have this moment? Selfish arseholes. Mm. But Eric's great. Eric's uh, innocent of all sin, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. yeah. I, I, their, their through line of like kind of their reconciliation of being estranged <laughs> I don't, is one of, the, one of the ones that I don't think is quite give it like the writing's not quite there mm. it feels mm. quite like that feels very first draft yeah yes. <laughs> William H. Macy was too busy siphoning off all the good character beats yeah, for just himself like, where's my hero <laughs> moment <laughs> Taylor only behind <laughs> and, and is there anything more you want to say on uh, Billy I know you're not a big fan of <laughs> I really hate Billy I, I, look at this listen, listen, I'm, I'm, I, as far as I'm concerned guys <laughs> He's no better than the people that built this place. I don't, I don't really like Billy. I think he's really irritating. Don't like his face. The look on his, the expression Sorry, on his face. We know when he, when, he like, when, he, when he gets the parachute out and he goes to rescue Eric, then he, he yeah. ostensibly dies. The look on his face, like, oh yeah, I'm doing the noble hero sacrifice bit. Go, 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 go suck an egg. Go suck one of your raptor eggs. <laughs> yeah. Go suck one of your raptor eggs, egg boy. <laughs> And then, well, I found your hat. Stupid. Hate I think he, Hate he said like he couldn't because the because the screenplay came so late. Mm. He couldn't. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't Something. get into no the character at all. So he ended up just kind of thinking actually he was a bit thick, and, that's, <laughs> yeah. and that maybe is why he comes across as a certain sort of. He just doesn't come across as really being with it. And I mean. No. To be honest, if you're in that <laughs> no, situation, it, I can understand why you're not with it. Like you, you've yeah. got enough license to be not with it, but because it's a Jurassic Park movie, you can't be one of the hero characters and look yeah. that kind of dazed and confused for the entirety of the film, <laughs> which he does. And then there's the whole confrontation between him and, and Grant as well with the, with the eggs. And it's just like I can see why he thought this guy was dumb. Like, why did you pick up the eggs? Yeah. Like, like. You know, even if you thought you could sell them back on the like, what? Like, why? Why did you yeah. make them up? It's so nuts. Yeah. Stupid decision. You know what you know about the Raptors yeah. and Grant. Yeah, like, you wouldn't ever do that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I can see why he thought it, it was a bit dumb. Because they play it like try to play it as like I'm just doing it for the greater good, man. Yeah. Uh, and but I, I I do always like this note from another note from an earlier draft with Billy being someone who kind of like got into Grant's dig after having a short time career as a guy who would sell dinosaur skeletons on the black market and okay. like, was mm. trying to get into like engine through that way right. and I, I do think if you colour a little bit of that kind of grey and a little bit of that darker edge in there you've got a bit more of a, mm. a interesting character so I'm sure yes. Nivola was yeah. I had of, a solo type like Nivola was kind of great craving yeah. mm. um, but instead you just end up with a bit of a blank slate yeah. who go, goes blank through slate. this kind of yeah. like Puppy dog, sort of. I'm sorry, Dr. Yeah. Grant. And deserved to die, us. really. I mean, he should have died. Yes, really. He should have died. Yeah. I wish he had. And as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I love that little bit where, like, you do have that shot of him getting going down river, getting all <laughs> yeah. the pteranodons, and then it just holds on that one that just turns around, and they just turn yeah. around and say, "You're next." next. I, I, yeah, that, that's good though. That that yeah, that head creepy. turn is probably the best yeah. shot of the pteranodons in the whole film. It's like. <laughs> it's, it's why it's like always that, like to be like that that final shot and that final beat at the end when we do have this rush like they get to the coast they're given the eggs back yeah. the military's here it's all fine let's go home end um, 
<laughs> that beat where you then see the pteranodons flying, I'm a bit like, why is everyone so calm about yes, this? Yes, <laughs> They were so horrible. Well, they're clearly not fatal, the attacks, because they didn't kill Billy. Billy managed to... Yeah. <laughs> Billy not only survived, but he managed to retrieve Alan's hat somehow. Yeah. There's a lovely look on, like, Sam Neill's face there in that scene where he, like, gets the hat back, and it, like, because he doesn't, like, say sorry. Yes, just, that's right. He's just kind of, like, looking at him, and he's just like, oh, yeah. He, he, he's done. <laughs> That's the feeling I get from it. Just looks like he's in bad. He's in a bad. Even if he makes it out for this, he ain't gonna be the same. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe they don't think twice about making a stupid decision like taking Raptor eggs. Taking, taking some eggs. <laughs> best intentions. <laughs> some of the worst things I've ever seen have been done with the best intentions. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's no better than people. That <laughs> yeah, I mean that bit when they, when they're flying off, considering that they've just seen what the Tyrannodons have done, you think yeah. they would be like, "Oh, are we safe in this helicopter that could be <laughs> shoot it, easily, shoot it. <laughs> easily kept away by these." Uh, which is what was going to be the original ending of the Lost World, funny enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it is a weird reaction, and I think it's because they're just struggling with the time that they have to wrap up the movie and they're like yeah. mm-hmm. we can't have them panic because that starts a new action scene yeah, so yeah. it's like they have yeah. to just be all right with it um, yeah. all right just lovely shot of them play the theme go cut the dud yeah exactly. <laughs> makes a little joke everyone laughs yeah. everyone's like well, what's the joke that she makes now i forget what it i is dare them says. to land in enid oklahoma oh that's oh, right yeah, yeah. Dare them to land in oklahoma <laughs> <laughs> and then like the, um, Paul just kind of looks across at her lovingly like that's the cleverest thing she's ever said and then, <laughs> it's such an awful moment let's then, <laughs> go home let's go oh. but then I do like the open uh. ending with the pteranodons in the clouds like that that's yeah if you think about the down. novel like that yeah. with the raptors in the in the fields which is better to be honest but if you're going to do an open ending it's kind of a brave choice to do that, <laughs> to have them just be loose, you know, at the end and go, that's Again, the end. Um, I think, like, like circling back to, like, one of our kind of like first opening points of that of this discussion, it would be slightly nicer to have that bit of an ominous yes. tone to yeah, it rather true. than have it be. The plane just goes um, into a big mist and it finishes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's go home but it's such a weird I can't get I cannot I'm so stuck on that line imagine if the three of us had been through what they went through in real life and we're on the plane on the way home and then David you told a joke and Andy and I laughed and looked at you lovingly and then I went let's go home you'd both be like we are why did you say that what a strange thing to say yes yeah yeah. and they're about to get in some real shit because they just did something very illegal with mercenaries that they fired I want to see the courtroom drama sequel yeah, yeah. Paul Kirby's supposed to go down for manslaughter, pretty much for the manslaughter. <laughs> yeah. Three people, three or four people. What's his business called? Kirby's painting tile plus. Painting tile plus. <laughs> Kirby's painting tile plus. I think you can get. I think the guys at Jurassic Outpost did like a mug that you can get. That's yes. Brilliant. Ah, uh, now chaps, uh, that feels like we've come a nice and full circle mm. on our discussion of Jurassic Park Three. There, is there any closing thoughts either of you would like to say on Joe Johnson's Jurassic Park Three before we dive into the mailbag? 
I just think it's amazing what he did. Despite everything that happened, spite he actually managed to he get the movie. film done. Yeah. He was we like, a movie. it actually makes sense. <laughs> just about like, tracks, But yeah. also, can you imagine what it was like for him? He must have gained like a decade of years. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, you know. I think it, it's quite telling that like his output becomes much less... Um, post this, yes, mm. he has quite a busy nineties, and then he's very intermittent in the noughties. Yeah, good and he, point. He hasn't really trauma. Like, he he's now the guy that like comes into productions that are yeah. struggling a little bit or can't quite figure out the which is an awful place who, to be. Yeah, he's he's a fixer, <laughs> and I think he probably got that because yeah. he got this on schedule. Yeah, that's under true. Budget, yeah, they probably thought that out in he's cinemas. Ago, sort of like Jurassic Park. Yeah, well, and okay. now is now is salvaging. What is it, Nutcracker and the Four Realms? Or the Four Realms. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Hopefully, he d- does get like he's still attached to Shrunk, the legacy that's sequel cool. for Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Um, I haven't heard anything about that in a long time. I wonder how involved so whether that's actually happening or not. Like, you know, mm. and, and I don't think feeling. at all. Oh, and I wonder what his feeling yeah. was with that because mm. that was probably quite a personal project and one that he had a lot of ownership over and was wasn't like yeah. a fixer. It was that was his film, really. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wonder if he'll ever return to like the Rocketeer or you know one of his other ones. Yeah, because Disney always uh, always. Seem to be skirting around doing something with that, right? It, it, back in live mm. action, I know they did an animated series that Bill Campbell game. I liked Bill Campbell in that film. I thought it was, yeah, I was good. <laughs> I think he's good with actors. Just give him like, give him a corner of Americana to play in, and give him some decent actors. Yeah. Yes. he could have a nice little, um, an actual film because he's he is good. He's good at keeping everything on track. He's, he's, he's good a at craftsman. Yeah. yeah, I think give him another <laughs> Jurassic. I actually think he'd be all right, but it's just about everyone would say no. <laughs> yeah. But I think he'd actually do a really good job if he had to do like a yeah. <laughs> sort of. Oh my story. god! Imagine, amazing. imagine if it was that, but like the, the Tremors dinosaurs yeah. that you were talking about. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be great. Yeah. yeah, a Tremors <laughs> dinosaur Jurassic Park movie would be fantastic. Done by Joe Johnston. Oh, yeah, that'd yes. be amazing. <laughs> I'd go see that. That reminds me of one of my favorite letterbox reviews that I saw for this. Um, that read. Uh, Joe Johnson is, is is no Steven Spielberg, but he sure as shit ain't <laughs> yeah. no Colin Trevorrow. <laughs> sorry, Enough Colin. Said. I'm sorry. Don't apologize to that man. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, they can talk to each other. To a degree we never imagined. On July 18th. You probably won't get off the side of the line. It's not just a walk in the park. They set a trap. They actually set a trap. Um, we now come to the tweet section of the show, and as uh, Josh predicted in our last uh, episode, it was quite healthy for the, for this uh, this entry, as it often tends to be for the Jurassic Park films. Um, with uh, Netflix Pod at Twitter. Uh, at Netflix pod on Twitter, writing and say, I enjoyed the movie. It's nowhere near as good as Jurassic Park. and it, But it's only an hour and a half, and it's pretty entertaining, all things considered. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, pretty on the money there. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the lovely Rob Yeomans, uh, at Dancing Henry on Twitter, uh, I guess from our Bridges of Madison County episode, said, looking forward to the JP3 episode, of which I've always been something of an apologist, then gritted teeth emoji. No need, no need to greet your yeah, teeth, no, Rob. No need to get it. We get it. We get it. 
uh, pedestrian at best podcast tweeted in to say, I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. And the pterodactyl, pteranodon, <laughs> the cage sequence is still awesome. Uh, very much I'm not to correct you there. I'm sorry. I'm being pedantic. I'm being pedantic about my pteranodon pterodactyl. Andy loved correcting you. Don't listen to him. He loved correcting you. Uh, Luke Cordell, or Cordell, at Luke Cordell 90 on Twitter or X, I should say, probably now. What, what we're saying these days. <laughs> I can still call it Twitter. X. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, on a, a, at work, in a journalistic capacity, we're putting X, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> That's such a dig, isn't it? A, a dig in parentheses. Anyway, Luke Cordell says, it's a lot of fun if you don't take it too seriously. Short and sweet. And perhaps my favourite message that we got in um, was just from... SP film viewers at SP underscore film viewers on Twitter, which simply was the gif of a raptor <laughs> saying, Alan? No, 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 <laughs> Alan. <laughs> I can't believe we got this far about this. Alan. <laughs> but there's more. <laughs> we have words from. Oh, sorry, often missed... No, in the bit when he says Alan, the thing that's often missed is the claws. Over the, the yeah, I'll just like, <laughs> Alan, wake really up, see, Alan. It's like, why, why did they do that? Well, clearly, something about Alan Grant's hat and Billy in this film stuck in my head because in my in my memory of the film, in that bit when the raptor goes, Alan, he's wearing Alan's hat. Obviously, <laughs> that isn't the case. Mandela affecting. Uh, yeah. uh... um, Ed blocks at Ryan two one four two four zero zero three on Twitter, formerly known as X. Nope, vice versa. Says unfairly maligned by many, but I love it. I much prefer it to TLW, The Lost World. There's no contrived Evo message. Uh, just ninety minutes of frantic fun. The birdcage sequence is amazing, and it's one of the few films where a character shows genuine emotion. E.g., Alan over Billy's death. I showed emotion too, and it was gratitude. <laughs> Stupid egg boy. <laughs> I believe that was all from our mailbag for Jessica. We had, we, Thank we you had one more. Oh, we have we one more. Two, Uh-oh. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we from our pal. Yeah. Should we take, we'll take a tweet each. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he wrote in it, say, I'll admit, I've occasionally skipped past the first 20 minutes <laughs> to get to the dinos. Leaving you with 40 whole minutes of film. <laughs> also, I enjoy the wacky humour in this one, including the raptor saying, Alan! Alan! <laughs> and the cell phone rigging inside the Spidersaurus. <laughs> and he added, uh, my wife, named Amanda, is really bugged by Amanda in this. Yet she regularly oh, quotes, Amanda. what's a bad idea? And for what? In the same way that Amanda responds to it's in the cage. I'm imagining what situations that guys that's coming up in. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's a it's a car seat. For what? <laughs> well, there's an empty wrapper here. For what? For what? Oh, this looks like a nice recipe. For what? <laughs> You're going to start doing it. That could be a joint Halloween costume next year, Andy. You can go as William H. Macy. I'll go as Tia Leone. I thought you meant joint Amanda. Like you were going to kind of... Like, yeah. like, you couldn't join twins like Amanda. One of us is the four. One of us is the four. 
Oh, dear. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us again, David. It's been oh, delightful. Yeah, it's been good fun. It's been lovely during the flat talking about Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. I, I, it's probably what I'll be doing on my Wednesday nights anyway. So, like, <laughs> Uh, are there, is there anything you'd like to point uh, listeners to? Any projects uh, you've got going on or just yes, uh, wh- yes. where well, they can find you and what you... First of all, I'd like to say um, someone who didn't get mentioned was my co-producer, Tom, who also works on Jurassic Collectibles and mm. uses most of the content on the channel these days. I just want to say a huge thank you to him. But if you want to check us out, we're on YouTube, uh, Jurassic Collectibles, uh, youtube.com forward slash Jurassic Collectibles, and then uh, on Twitter at Jurassic Collect, I believe. And then yes, I think so. I might be might be wrong. And then uh, we're on, <laughs> on Instagram as well and everywhere else. Facebook. So yeah, go and uh, go and have a look for us. But yeah, mainly the YouTube channel is where we hang out most of the time. So uh, yeah, go and check out our back catalogue of Jurassic Park nostalgia. Yeah, there's more a lot more where this came from. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Some Jurassic Park three sprinkled in there for good measure. <laughs> for what? No William H. PC action figures. Yeah. <laughs> you can just imagine him at home playing with his own ones. Like, I'm saying we're going to Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it, it's, it's amazing how Jurassic Park 3 has a very niche fan. There's a huge number of people who really like Jurassic Park 3. And when I reviewed the toys years ago, they were huge, like really popular. Um, I think because no one on the internet had bothered to review them. And, but yeah, the, the toy line was was probably as as uh, well received as, as the film. So, uh... oh yeah, conspicuous there's shortage your, of your memories of Spinosaurus toys. <laughs> conspicuous shortage of Paul toys, though. You see William H. Yes. Macy taking a box home. I'm taking these toys home for what? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, guys, I've had a vision of the future. <laughs> it's about what our next episode is going to be on. I'm I, I'm seeing myself reading out Tom Cruise quotes in a Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. Josh looks irritated. <laughs> He's not finding it funny. <laughs> He's reaching for something, but I can't quite see what it is. Uh, what, Josh? No! Put it down! Stop! Goodbye, Crow. <laughs> yes, yeah, a famous quote, of course, from our, our, our next film, which will be Mr. Steven Spielberg's Minority Report, of course, starring as well the aforementioned Mr. Tom Cruise. And if you didn't get why I mentioned Arnie up top there, you'll just have to come back for the episode to find out. <laughs> and if you fancy watching Minority Report along with us, then and you don't have the film to disc, it is available to stream for those of you that have a Prime Video subscription. Otherwise, you can rent or buy the film digitally from Amazon, Apple, Chile, Google Play, Microsoft Store, Rakuten TV, Sky Store, and YouTube. It's one of my fave Spielbergs, so if you haven't got access to any of those things, let me know and I can lend you my DVD. It's about time that I upgrade <laughs> to Blu-ray anyway. I thought you had the Blu-ray, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't like it, you know what it's it is, I don't like the it's artwork on the box. It's a silly, oh, silly, fair. silly reason. <laughs> but um, oh, I love this film. It's so a good transfer, though. <laughs> to paraphrase a film, everybody watch. 
It's a good, that's a good cruise. <laughs> uh, if you've got any thoughts on the film, please do tweet us at or, or x us at Ramblin' Amblin. This is causing me some serious consternation. You can, you can tell. Uh, at Ramblin' Amblin or email us at ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com. That address again, ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com. And while your device is in your hand, like, rate, subscribe, it all helps and we greatly appreciate any attention. Mm-hmm. Please do all those lovely things and more. David, before we let you go, any any strong feelings about Minority Report that you want to share to tease us off for our next episode? Oh, I'm to think <laughs> <now>. Gosh. <laughs> it's a great film, actually. I, I really like Minority Report when it came out. Yeah. I think it's, it's actually really cool. It's a really great film. Um, yeah. It's kind of like weird, like Spielberg dystopia. He got into this very, yeah, very kind of dystopic, like the same with War of the Worlds as well. Mm. That sort of very bleak yeah. vision of the world, and I think that was partly yeah. shaped by maybe things that had happened to him in those years. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it does seem like he got really bleak with with his film. Mm. So, yeah, it's, a, it's a good one though. Interesting pocket Real, for Spielberg yeah. coming up. Yeah, um, definitely worth a watch. Um, that's going to yeah, be a I'm long like... episode. Yeah, I'll do it. Listen. You're saying it now. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that you didn't say anything negative about it, David, because otherwise we may have had a red ball on our hands. If you know what I mean. That will make sense. That will make sense when everyone's watched the film. And uh, <laughs> I really, really love my narrative report. And that just about brings us to an end in our episode of Jurassic Park Three. We hope you enjoyed the ride. And we're gonna we're gonna close out in a much more final way without any abrupt cuts whatsoever. <laughs>